Welcome to the All Roads Podcasts. We're your host, Sam Hahn. And I'm Dr. Sam Kindick. And we're experts in ancient Greece and Rome. And we are here today to talk about episode seven of the Percy Jackson and Olympian series streaming on Disney Plus and Hulu. Uh, and that episode title is We Find Out the Truth, Sort of. We'll be right back. You the music. All right, Sam, Dr. Sam, uh, we're back. We're near the end of this series. Um, I'd like to establish who directed these episodes and who are the writers credited for these episodes. So um, we have um, one of the, the directors earlier on in the series, Anders Engstrom, and then Andrew Miller is the only credited writer um, on this episode. So again, uh, Rick Riordan is not a credited writer on this episode. Um, but again, we're getting um, kind of a repeat of directors. Again, we've kind of had one director do two, 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 and now we're actually going back um, to um, Anders, who did the Medusa episode and the episode in St. Louis um, for, for reference. Um, I know we've been a little bit hard on the series so far. What did you think about this episode? Has has uh, Rick and the crew redeemed themselves with this episode or do you think this, you know, uh, we're on uh, the, the, the path to hell uh, for this TV show? I did not find much redemption in this episode. Okay. There's lots to talk about here. Um, you know, I, I do feel like, yeah, I, I do feel yeah. like more, the plot was, was uh, sort of furthered more and right. more happened yes but but i guess i've never seen so much happen with so little being said or happening yes and with so little stakes like there's just yeah i i you know i think you know I, i've you know i've made the mistake of starting to go on reddit to kind of see what the community is saying uh, about the TV show, and I know Reddit may be the the most toxic place to get opinions about this TV show. So take take what I'm transmitting with a grain of sand. But I think I think people are rightly disappointed with the lack of tension in any of these episodes. There's just no stakes. They know everything. I mean, this episode starts where they go to you know Procrusty's waterbed palace, right? And Crusty, please, Crusty, exactly. I'm sorry. And, you know, Percy's like, I know who you are and I know your trick. And it just kind of like sucks the oxygen out of that entire scene then. Um, and and I, again, it, I feel like this happened throughout this episode. Like Grover, I missed even Grover getting snapped up by the dog. Like that happened way too off screen. Like I missed that. And then he falls out of the dog's mouth and I'm like, oh, I didn't realize he got got but I, I wasn't, I wouldn't have been worried. It's just like, there are a lot of moments where it's like, Oh, Annabeth is like, Oh no, my leg is turning into is caught by the roots. Oh no. And it's just like, there, there's just no stakes. They but she didn't even say that. Right. She just sort of like looks down and doesn't say anything. Yeah. You know, that's, I, that's, that's the problem. There's like, is there so, I don't know. They're, they're, they're trying to make it like, like super suspenseful. I think. But it's it's not. I mean, they're 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 trying to do 
a lot with minimal dialogue. Sure. Which I appreciate. I like they this don't. is the less talky episode that this is, you know, we've had a lot of talking for like the last three, four episodes and there's a lot less talking. There's still too much like exposition, but there's a lot more action, but again, everything just resolves way too quickly. Um, again, Grover gets caught by the dog, but it's fine. I also think it's silly that he loses the pearl when the dog gets him. I'm like, why even have the four? Like, it's just, why even have four pearls? It's like such a letdown. Yeah. It's just like, you might as well already have the conundrum of how are we going to get my mom back from the get go? Um, because it's just like, oh no, we lost, we lost the, the fourth pearl. And it's like, that's okay. Like, again, like what did it add to have that get lost in the show? I don't know. I feel um, like I had the same thought, right? They they deviate from the book when in the the previous episode, mm-hmm. they they have four pearls, right? First, he gets four pearls from um, the Nereid, mm-hmm. and then uh, immediately Grover loses the pearl, the the fourth pearl. Um, and so it, was it just like the the guy who wrote? Was it the same guy who wrote the last episode? I mean, did, uh, no. did someone did someone write it and then they? they felt like they couldn't edit it for some reason. And then they're like, Oh, you dummy, we got to correct this. And so they like wrote in like Grover losing. I just, yeah. It, it, if you're going to deviate from the book, if you're going to change the book, it should be in a meaningful way. Um, that yeah. sort of fundamentally improves the experience and the narrative, I think. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think, you know, looking back at the last episode too, right. There's an important change that we talked about is the fact that, you know, the summer solstice deadline is, over right like officially the gods are at war but also it doesn't start immediately it's like you miss the deadline so everyone's going to get ready to do the war which again i don't think is really how that works like why didn't the war immediately start why did it end and they're like well we should get ready and do our big fight um but it's just not it's not a issue in this episode right like what are the stakes of like oh no we missed the deadline like is anything happening like, no, it's just like they don't really touch on it much. There's no real urgency. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, well, then why even bother changing it? You know, it's justification for why Poseidon doesn't come to visit Percy. Um, but it, yeah, I don't know. It, it is this like weird thing where it seems like the TV show wants to have it two ways with like the gods as parents, right? Where it's like, the gods really care about their kids and wish that they had a better relationship with them. And also they absolutely suck and they make terrible decisions and they're super petty. Um, and you can't really have it both ways, right? It's like, I mean, this this episode is full of flashbacks and we get a lot of Sally. And I think we need to talk about what we think of these flashbacks. But, you know, at the very end, the last flashback where like Sally summons poseidon by you know burning a match in a milkshake and he yeah. shows up and he's super hot um and it's just like i can't go talk to percy um and it's like i thought in the last episode it's like oh he really wanted to meet you but he's super busy but it, we also see an instance where poseidon is not super busy and is like no i can't talk to percy So like which is it is it like poseidon really wants to spend time with percy and just can't because he's super busy or is he actively choosing not to like see Percy and talk to him like I just feel like they need to commit like does Poseidon suck or not like and they just yeah I just feel like they're not willing to make that you know choice 
I know we're kind of I'm 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 kind of all over the place in this episode, but it just it's just lots of very odd decisions, lots of changes that are just unnecessary that just don't pay out. Like there's just no payoff for making these changes because they just kind of immediately throw the change in the garbage. So it's like, why even do it in the first place? I feel like I mean, I just I'm I'm not getting any stimulation from this show. Right. Sure. I'm not I'm not sure. getting intellectual stimulation, right? Because the plot is, you know, complicated and 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 you know complex. Right. I've I've just been watching, I know we mentioned it before, I've been watching that show Succession on HBO. Right. And it's like everything that happens, everything that somebody says, you're like, oh, did they mean this? Are they doing this? Is like a like ev- like you don't know what's good, what's happening because everyone is so complex. And you're like, what's their motivation? What's their like? Right. What are the what are their aims? What are they? What are, what's happening? Why did they do this? Oh, was this? Oh, is this like that? Like, and it's just, it, it's just, it, there's just a lot going on in a good way, right? But it's also not, you know, intellectually stimulating from a yeah. mythological sense. Right. You know, the the whole shtick is that he is the son of a Greek god and he finds himself in a sort of mashup between modern, you know, US and ancient Greek mythology. Right. And we mm-hmm. we don't get a lot of that in this show. Yeah. Um and I also don't get visual stimulation, right? It's not like yeah. Game of Thrones. Or something like that, where you're just like overwhelmed by the set design, overwhelmed by the 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 shots that the camera is using. Um, I mean, even again, in, in something like Succession, it takes place, you know, mostly in like New York City, but it's just there's just a a sort of grandeur to it, right? I mean, it's they're they're in helicopters and they're flying through the city and you're looking out over the city mm. and everything's just well done. And I just don't get that in this show. No, yeah. You know, and this is kind of the best the show has done visuals. Maybe, you know, the first episode where we get, you know, Percy looking out the window at school and seeing, you know, the Pegasus and whatnot. But like, you know, this is the first time where it's like, oh, okay, like I see some CGI budget. They're not immediately cutting away from the dog. Like Cerberus actually gets some decent screen time. So like you actually get to see some pretty good CGI. Um, but yeah, it is. This is kind of the best the show has to offer. And it is it is a little underwhelming. And again, it's, you know, I, I was rereading, you know, these chapters in the book um, in preparation for this episode. And you know, we've talked about this before that like the TV show has stripped any whimsy, any mystery from this entire story, which is extremely frustrating because it's just like, again, talking about stakes and yeah, like no one's ever tricked or, you know, learn, you know, being surprised by the mythological world and whatnot, which sucks. But, you know, when they get to the palace of Hades, it's just like a weird kind of black stones and weird guys in black it's like you know you're watching star wars it's like let's go see like the emperor or vader and everybody's in these uniforms and the book is very fun because it's just like all these skeletons and they're dressed in the different like uniforms of different wars and i'm just like and the book just strips away and just this kind of like black room no details the guards are in these weird black uniforms and it's just like it's just not fun or clever or yeah just interesting and again 
this show is weird because I guess, as we said, the audience is in their twenties. Um, you know, these are the kids who read Percy Jackson back in the day. It's Gen Z, but also, you know, as I'm watching the show, you know, I've, I've complained a lot about these cuts to black and whatnot. And these, they were a little bit less annoying in this, this episode, but you know, I'm watching it with my wife now and she pointed out that this is for when it goes to the Disney channel, when this is on cable, um, and they need to put ads in between, um, you know, these different scenes in the episode, um, you know, to make that extra money when it's on cable. But again, the cable audience is really young. Like nobody, I don't know, over 15 watches the Disney channel. Apologies if you do, but it is this, this weird thing where I feel like they just can't commit to anything in the show because they have infinite place not infinite but they have a lot of different places they want to distribute it they have a lot of different audiences who are going to watch it and they're all going to watch it in different kind of ways like on streaming you'll watch it episode by episode but on cable it'll just be kind of random episodes coming up and so they can't really do anything interesting with the show and it's just like lean in and choose a lane and make it good for a specific audience yeah i th- i agree with that i mean it's yeah, I, I think they can't sort of choose what they what they want. I mean, I think what the book does and the book is the first book, I think, is much better at this than subsequent books. Right. Sure. And and it, it's it's a little bit more whimsical. It's a little bit more um, sort of fun than mm-hmm. you know, once the plot gets more serious. We've talked about this a bit, but. Um, yeah, when when they're going down to the underworld, I mean, it's very much a mix mash between sort of ancient Greek stuff and you know early two thousands New York, right? There's there's a lot yeah. of security guards. They're like in an elevator. There's like this like kind of bureaucracy that you've got to navigate. There's a lot of people standing in lines, um, and it's kind of a funny way. Like, what if we took the ancient Greek world and all these serious people, these like heroic. <clears throat> figures from you know the Iliad and stuff and what if they had to like wait in line for stuff wouldn't that be kind of funny and like mm-hmm. you know Chiron so there's like bribes going on yeah um, and it's, there's and, and there's lots of like sort of back and forth between Percy and Beth Grover and these different figures and now it's it's like they decided oh this is the underworld this is serious right and we don't see any dead people except for the people in, in Asphodel which are just weirdly turning into trees or something. Yeah. I want to talk about that, but keep going. Yeah. And so it's just like this like vast expanse. Everything is open and dark and misty and empty and empty. There's no people, there's no souls. And, and yeah, the, the, the guards who are, we see like who are guarding the palace, they're like not Greek, but they're not like, you know, dressed they're like not any security guards. Right. They look like chess pieces or something. And you go in and then, you know, that I think maybe the point, the sort of one moment is when we see Hades and he's just like, oh, hey, guys, like, come on in. Like, and that's yeah. kind of the, the fun, right? Where you're like, it's so big and severe and he's like just a normal dude. But I think Hades misses the point. I mean, he offers them pomegranate mm-hmm. juice, which is obviously a nod to Persephone eating the pomegranate seeds in the underworld. But, you know, it if you drink something, does that check the box? Right. It's not even sure. food that he's offering, but I mean, right. He's like, do you want talk- pomegranate juice or snacks? 
and I'm like, can you not be specific, like, and make a joke here, or like, it's just like pomegranate juice or yeah. snacks, or like um, hand them a bowl of pomegranate seeds and like yeah. be like munching one or something or pistachios, like whatever. Um, but maybe we can, maybe we should we should we just look at a couple of scenes and sort of, um, yeah. Well, we're already here at Hades. Okay, let's do it. Let's 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 talk about him. What did what did you think of the characterization? Let me maybe maybe let me start off and preface Please. this. He's very different from in the books. Um, you know, in in book one, um, here's how he's described. Percy says he is the third. He was the third god I'd met, but the first who really struck me as godlike. He was at least ten feet tall for one thing, and dressed in black silk robes and a crown of braided gold. His skin was all bound in white. His hair shoulder length and jet black. He wasn't bulked up like Harry's, but he radiated power. He lounged on his throne, a fused human bones, looking lithe, graceful, and dangerous as a panther. Like that's how Hades is presented in the book. We obviously don't get that. What do Not you what, what do you think of uh the casting in the TV show? I mean fine. You know, I I didn't look at him and say, Oh, yep, yeah, this is Hades. Um yeah. so I think it was the again, that moment of uh, sort of toying with expectation where they walk in and it's all severe. It's just like a, a dude and he's got like a smoking jacket on and he's like kind of friendly. Um, but it, it wasn't, I don't know. I wasn't, I don't think it, I just watched the episode right before we, we got on air. If you showed me a lineup, I'm not sure I could pick out that actor again. Sure. Right. I, I don't, I don't know him from other things. Um, I don't know. He just didn't, he didn't he didn't pop he wasn't memorable um and I, his hades is kind of weak right he's just like oh i don't want the bolt uh, i just want my helmet and then there then percy's like there's a war coming and i just realized it's chronos and here's everything and he's like oh like okay in that case like i guess i'll take the bolt like it, it's just yeah you know it, again as you said earlier the stakes just seem so low nobody cares Right. There's no urgency. It's like, oh, we're about to go to war with, you know, Zeus and Poseidon are about to go to war. Oh, that's going to be, that's too bad. Um, oh, Kronos is gathering strength and is going to make a strike. Well, I guess like I could use an extra gun or two, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> down in the underworld, you know, to fend him off. It's just like, yeah, like have some concern. And again, his, his, his motivation is so confusing to me. Like, what is, what is his deal? I, I I did not like Hades. I thought it was really bad casting. And you know, it's kind of shocking too for like Disney, who has one of the most famous depictions of Hades in like culture to not in any way try and trade on that. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't even know. It's just like yeah, he's not he's not anything. Like what is his motivation? What is his character? Just like they just didn't make a choice with him. Um, he's just kind of, yeah, cool. And that's supposed to be like, oh, like, oh, I, that's not what I expected. I expected him to be so tricky. But it's like they don't do they don't do anything with him. Um the guy book, the, the the actor he reminded me of um most when he when he, when he first came in and I was like, oh, this is kind of like I was like, he's an uh, he's a poor man's Alan Cumming, right? If they had like <laughs> Alan Cumming as like Hades, yeah, like, and, and they sort of went all you know went for it, I would have liked it. 
Um, but they didn't. Sorry, you were right. saying something, Sam. No, I, I was just saying to yeah, yeah. It is this weird thing where like I, again, I I don't know if this is accurate, but it feels like they slightly maybe queer code this Hades a little bit, which you know either go for it or don't. But um, I think the other thing that stood out to me here is like in the book, you know, Percy's like you want a war because you're the god of the dead, and Hades is like. It's way too expensive. The urban sprawl in the underworld is getting really bad. The traffic is terrible. I don't want more people in the underworld. Like the last thing I want is a world because the bureaucracy of running hell sucks so much. Like down here in Hades, like, you know, you know, I'm paying double overtime to my employees. Just like I cannot handle another war, um, which is like, oh, interesting. Like you would think that Hades would want of war because he wants dead people but it's like you know i'm up to my ears in dead people i need fewer dead people to actually like run the bureaucracy and government of 80s and here he's just like why would i want a war things are pretty good in the underworld and you're like okay i i get like again i don't know it's just like they refuse to make they just refuse to make any choices which is just so frustrating because there's so much good material you could pull on um that makes a ton of sense like why he isn't interested in a war why he's been hiding the information about the the helm but it all just kind of gets mixed up and it's just like listen like you do a thing for me and i'll do a thing for you um but no i'm no longer interested in the first deal too like when he changes he's like never mind yeah. i don't i don't know it's just like i've got two things i've got yeah. one an opportunity to talk about ancient literature yes which I- I, I seize at every uh, possible moment. Yes. Um, the second is a question. Uh, sure. So if I forget, remind me. Um, so yeah, the description of that we get in uh, the first book and to describe the underworld is like this sort of doppelganger of, you know, New York city or something, right. You know, talking about urban sprawl, talking about wages going up that, you know, where the, right. where the, divine space is a reflection of human space right mm-hmm. and we, we get similar descriptions in i think more than just the first book um but when we go up and we see olympus there's like buildings and there might be like high rises and there's like it, it's 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 people it's populated there are mm-hmm. you know this may have been in book four or something book maybe even book five you know, he goes up and there's like satyrs doing stuff and there's like nymphs running around. And there's like, it's, it's, it's again, this sort of divine space that is, you know, hilariously mirroring uh, sort of the, the human world. Right. And we get this, the, the Greeks did this, the Romans did this. Um, the best example that I can think of is in Ovid's Metamorphoses, right? Uh, there's all this description of, you know, sort of the gods living on the divine Palatine Hill and, you know, as Ovid presents it, the gods live in a world that is, you know, comically like the world that we all live in, you know, we being mm-hmm. Romans. And it's this idea mm-hmm. that, again, that the divine mirrors, parallels the uh, the human world. And as as Uncle Rick puts it, right, they have the same problems, right? It's, it's funny right. when when gods, these all-powerful gods, are, are like complaining because their employees want too much money, right? They probably want like, you know, better like dental benefits. Like it's funny. 
Right. And so when we get these shots and we get it in the preview for the final episode, these shots of like this severe empty throne chamber that's on top of a tower or something with like these severe thrones. And it's like the, 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 the scale and the grandeur of the architecture. Again, it feels like something in like Lord of the Rings or game of Thrones. I think that misses a lot of the sort of ways in which not only the Percy Jackson books, but also the, the Romans themselves and the Greeks Mm -hmm. to a lesser extent sort of imagined the places where the gods right. lived. Yeah. No, I, I, I completely, yeah, I think that's a point well taken. And again, it's something that is already present in the books and is being stripped away, not just from the ancient context, but also just the actual no work of, you know, uh, Rick Riordan. So, you know, frustrating. I, again, you know, and there are hints of it too, right? We have that scene too of, you know, Lynn Manuel Miranda in, you know, the mail carrier's uniform getting on the elevator holding packages. And it's like, does Olympus have a mail room? Like, presumably. Yeah. But like, Good. we're not going to get that, right? It's just like, it is going to be this like very stark black thrones with like a hearth in the middle. And yeah, it's just like, again, I mean, I think we we always had this criticism is like, what is what set this apart from any other vaguely fantasy TV show? Like, what is the like the the thing that sets it apart? And it's like it's just not leaning much into the interesting part, which is the Greek gods and you know Greek mythology. Like they right. touch they, on it very they, lightly. They haven't done the world building of mm-hmm. other sort of epic fantasy type stuff, but they also haven't done character development or right script writing or CGI or I know the the script is killing me. I'm. You know, no, I, you know, I, I guess this is shade to Andrew Miller, no matter how you cut it. But I, it's sorry, rough. Andy. Sorry, Andy. It's rough. Like, I mean, and it's been rough throughout. Like, I think the best written episodes are early on and there are some good moments. Like, again, I think every time Sally is on screen, like she raises the level, the quality of the TV show. Um, I agree. But also, I, I think here the flashbacks make no sense and don't connect to the episode in any sort of meaningful way so it's like oh this is some good acting this is a lot of you know uh, pathos like on screen which is you know fun uh, but it doesn't really have anything to do with the tv show um, and what's actually happening on screen in the current moment which is not how you do flashbacks also like flashbacks should connect with what's going on and you know just cutting to percy being sad about going to a school and his mom being upset about that and then talking to his dad and then his dad doing a voiceover to end out the episode. It's just like, I don't like, what is this? How does this connect to what they're doing in the underworld? It doesn't. And so it's just like interesting, but completely disconnected. And also just like kind of out of the blue, like we did a couple of flashbacks, but like, I think if they did more flashbacks in the show throughout the show, it would maybe be more interesting and you could do more with it, but it is like a lot in this one episode. Um, and yeah, why couldn't you do these more throughout? I don't know. Yeah, like um, not 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 flashbacks as much as sort of like a secondary chronological plot line as we see yeah. Percy sort of like go through these this these changes. Right. Right. Um yeah. I want more Gabe, right? We talked about Gabe, right. you know, and we, we right. kind of liked him. <laughs> but there's yeah, no, he's... And, and 
but Gabe plays a role in the books, right? He's right. like sort of driving them. He's he's one of the forces that's sort of chasing after them. He's on the news. He's talking to the police, right? We also have you know other forces like this gang of kids in the book that sort of drives right. them into Pro Krusty's shops. Um, but before we get, I want to talk about Pro Krusty's. But before we get sure. away from the underworld, I want to ask you my question. Yes, please ask me your the, question. The promised question and i hate to not deliver on my promises mm-hmm. do you like the movie more now that you've seen hades do you prefer hades in the movie or do you prefer hades in the tv show do you appreciate the movie more i know no, you appreciated I, it more after the no you don't you still i i don't i mean i appreciate the movie more overall I still think the worst part of the movie is the underworld just because it is just like, like it's, it's so bad and they don't have Cerberus and Persephone is really weird. And Hades is even weirder. Like it doesn't, I hate, I hate the underworld scene in the movie so much. I think that is, you know, the absolute lowest point of the film. Um, But I don't love what we get in the TV show. It's definitely better though. Mm. Um, but I, I think it's I think it's a, you know, pick your poison sort of thing. Like I, I don't think this one is. Of, I like the casting of Hades better. I think in the the TV. I mean, he's like a he's like a like a yeah. kind of rock and roll like metal guy. He's got like the guitar and the like the hair. They make a they make a commitment. Like they commit to a Hades. Right. And whereas this guy in the TV show is kind of like, you know, kind of whatever. Um. But no, I you know I I I really hate that scene in the the movie. So I, I won't give you that. Um, I know you want to go to press procrustes. I also want to talk a little bit about the depiction of the underworld. Um, so yeah, let's, I don't know where you let's wanna... do that. Let's let's do, let's wrap up the underworld. Maybe talk about procrustes and then talk about Sally and the flashbacks. Yeah, let's do it. Um, cool. So you know we obviously get Caron. He's not as funny as he is in the books. You know, being like, I haven't had a pay raise in three thousand years. I love Italian suits, so <laughs> but that's whatever. You know, um, I don't feel like we get much of like a character to the underworld until we actually get to Asphodel. Um, what do you think of the depiction of Asphodel? Um, you know, it's all of these people who have regrets or unfinished business, I guess, who are like turning into trees and can't talk. This is yeah, obviously was, not how Asphodel is depicted in ancient world. Um, I was confused. Um, I was confused too. And the first place my mind went was, you know, the the phenomena phenomenon of people turning into trees, right? It's something we've talked about. It's something that's prevalent in again the metamorphoses of of Ovid, right? And it's it's usually involved with sexual violence and the silencing of women. Uh, we get it with Thalia. Right. She's mm-hmm. turned into a tree. And I don't think this is at all connected, but no. just sort of as a reader of Greco Roman mythology and as someone who who is looking for connections between texts and within texts, right? There is a connection to Thalia, but it's it's different. And so I just right. what's is it am I the only one who's confused? Is there supposed is it just that's another random, totally separate example of people turning into trees. Like it was, it was like a, from a horror movie or something. Like I didn't, I I didn't care for it. And then of course, Annabeth 
you know, what's her regret? Uh, she, yeah. she shares a look with Percy. Is it, is it a romantic regret? Does it have to do with her mother? What do yeah. you think? I'm con- I was, I, I, to me, I was like, I can't even imagine what this regret is. Does she regret not betraying Percy and taking the, the, <laughs> with the, uh, with taking the, the Furies' with deal? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, I, I don't really know. Are they, yeah. Are the, do they regret that they haven't kissed? Like, again, like they haven't built any sort of romantic tension between these two at all, um, except in that one moment in St. Louis. Um, but, but they share looks. It's like, it's like kind of weird. there. I don't know. It's, it's again, they don't commit. Right. But it's no, it's not looks about something. It's not like you as the audience member are like, ah, I know what they're looking at each other about. It's just like they're looking at each other about something. But anyway, that's besides the point. You know, when you, I think of But that, if you've read, I'm going to pause you for a second. Yeah, if yeah, you've please. read the book, though, right? And we've talked about this before and the sort of the, the multivalence of like myth, right? If you've read the book, and chances are you're watching this because you've read the book. And if you didn't read the book, you're probably not going to make it past two episodes because it's not super engaging. But if you've read the book, you know that there's a a tension in a romance between Percy and Annabeth, and it plays such a role. And so you can't watch the show without seeing that connection and wondering what that connection is, right? You you don't get it just because you reboot a series doesn't mean you get a reboot on your experiences, on your associations. Yeah. It's true. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I just wanted to say that. I just had to get it off. No, I mean, that's that's true. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of feelings. You know, my wife disagrees about with me. I I don't. I didn't like that Annabeth and Percy like fall in love at the end of the series. Spoiler alert. Like I really liked Rachel a lot more, uh, but that's besides the point. I know that there are a lot of Perkabeth fans out there and I don't mean to offend y'all. Um, but you know what I think? Perkabeth? Yeah. Um, it's like the, the ship, um, you know, shipping these two characters together. Um, and you know, it pays off. You, you get it. I feel like it's a little, force but whatever uh we don't have to get into that when i think about asphodel in like the ancient world again depictions of the underworld change kind of dip, kind of in whatever text you're reading like there's not necessarily a singular vision of the underworld in ancient texts right uh, but when i do think of asphodel i think more of it's kind of a neutral zone more than anything else like most people end up in Asphodel, right? And some people are super bad and go to Tartarus and some people are super good and go to Elysium, right? And just most people are just kind of in the, you know, the the meadows of Asphodel and just kind of like mill about. And it's fine. Like it's not terrible, but it's not like super engaging or exciting or like wonderful. Um, do you feel like that's accurate? Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, you know, if you all have read Dante's Inferno, it's a lot like Limbo, I think is kind of oftentimes the the comparison made. Um, yeah, I think the underworld is hard because it's there's not one consistent right. portrayal of, of the underworld in Greco-Roman mythology. Right. Um, I think that where we as a, you know, Christian, predominantly Christian, European post-Roman world you know, Christianity has really, you know, emphasized the afterlife, right? And you get that in other religions, of course, too. Um, I think the Greeks were a lot less interested in the afterlife. So we're we're sort of looking for this, like, really important, what happens when you die? The Greeks were less concerned about that. The Romans were less concerned about that. 
Um, right. And so it's not consistent from text to text. Um, it's not, you know, it doesn't play a major role. It's, it's other than sort of the catabasis, right? Where, where these yeah. heroes go down to the underworld, but they, they only do that to like get information, you know, it's just yeah. sort of like a, or try like and a rescue plot. somebody. It's like a plot, yeah. like a uh, hook. Yeah. Again, I think the stakes are really low for the Greeks when it comes to like what happens after you die. It's just like, eh, it's like, you know, not much happens. It's like, it's die. like, right. Right. It's like, it's like, it's not like, Oh, you're eternally punished or you're constantly having the best time of your life sort of thing. It's like, it's pretty neutral. So it's like, you know, you die and it's not terrible for most That's people. why you need Kleos, right? That's why you need right. people to talk about you. That's right. how you that's how you, you know, uh sort of carry on. Um, but going back, you know, your mind went to Ovid when you saw these trees in Asphodel. My mind went to the Inferno um in Canto um what is it? I think thirteen. In Canto thirteen, um Dante and and Virgil um, go to the forest of, of people who have attempted um, suicide and they are, they have been turned into trees. And I feel like that in terms of like imagery is the closest thing that I can like parallel what we see in the TV show, which again, doesn't make a ton of sense. It is kind of an odd change. Again, this is not how it is in um, the Percy Jackson book. Um, this is not Asphodel is kind of just like, a big field where people just kind of hang out. It's like the um, meadows of Kansas, right? The fields that are cornfields right. in Kansas or something. They, I think they describe right. it. It's it's probably overly mundane in the book, but again, it is in this kind of like dark forest where the people can't talk and whatnot. Um, so, anyways, um, it is it is just an odd depiction of Asphodel that I don't feel like you get anywhere. I've never seen it depicted this way, and I just kind of, kind of wanted to focus on that. Okay, that's enough on Asphodel. Well, just uh, we can... before oh, we, we before please. we leave, before we sure. throw the pearl down, um, what it just occurred to me, I mean, talking about Asphodel, I mean, the, the Annabeth thing is weird, right? And then she does get out because she does have the pearl. So she escapes right. the mm-hmm. the tree that sort of it just it just made me think of the first Harry Potter book um, or movie book also right but when 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 ron hermione and harry so again you know a a very similar group composition to what we have Mm -hmm. with annabeth grover and percy um when when ron harry and hermione go down and they're 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 trying to find um the philosopher's stone the sorcerer's stone you know they go down they they have all these individual um, challenges, right? They've got to catch the flying key. They've, you know, Hermione has to do the logic thing with the potions. Uh, they play the the chess, but they sort of they sacrifice themselves for the team, right? You know, Ron knows that he has to get taken in the chess match, the the living chess match, um, and that's a way of sort of fitting down the group. Mm-hmm. And and I was sort of reminded of that, but it's. In Harry Potter, I mean, maybe it's a completely different thing. I just see a lot of parallels between that, you know, a good version of that and the bad version we have here. Um, But that's productive because it, it, you know, you have a group and they they work together and they rely on their their joint strengths and they each have different strengths, um, but they're willing to sort of sacrifice themselves for a larger mission for each other, Um, and the stakes are presumably high i mean the stakes are large because voldemort is coming back but also you know if you get 
killed in wizard chess, like you get really mangled and you know, maybe something yeah. really bad happens to you. Um, so Ron's sacrifice is a big one. We don't get that here. This again, the stakes feel low. Um, we have no like let's play on our strengths to sort of solve these challenges. Um, uh, I almost called her Hermione. Annabeth throws down the pearl and disappears. But like as soon as uh, Grover and Percy throw theirs down, right, she's right there on the beach. Right, they're like they're just they're back together. There is no real sacrifice. Um, there yeah. is no real sense of a commitment to a you know the group to the larger thing. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it also sets up this idea that, oh, Percy is going to have to go and try and save his mom alone. Or it's like, oh, Annabeth gets caught up in Asphodel. Oh, um, Grover has to, you know, smash the pearl to escape Tartarus sort of thing. And then Percy is the only one to go to Hades. Like, that could be an interesting change that you make in the Mm -hmm. TV show. Uh, But then they don't do that. It's just like Annabeth isn't there in the TV show. And it's like, why isn't she here? Like, it feels weird that, like, she gets stuck up in the wood and you don't thin out the group um, when it kind of makes sense too. like, that could be an interesting change to have like Grover, like as he's like disappearing into Tartarus, smash the pearl and like escape. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Frustrating. Talking about frustrating. Do we want to go talk about pro crusties? Yeah. I mean, that's a perfect, uh, a perfect transition to, one of my favorite uh, figures in Greek myth, um, right? Procrustes is this dude who tricks travelers into laying down on a bed. And then, right, if they're too big for the bed, he chops them up so they fit on the bed. If they're too small for the bed, he stretches them out. He's mm-hmm. eventually defeated by Theseus, um, who's going from Troizen to, to Athens. Uh, and he defeats him by putting him on the bed right mm-hmm. um and this is a story that's about the ex, you know extreme zinnia or a violation of zinnia right this this relationship between a guest and a host um and you're supposed to be uh you know hospitable um you're supposed to you know pull out all the stops for uh, a guest and so he offers them a, vip, a bed which is seemingly a good thing and he you know kills them right and we get that a little bit in the book, right? Um, you know, they're in LA. LA is a scary place in the book, right? There's, right. there's gangbangers. There's like all sorts of, you know, shady people. Which Roving you, gangs of teens. Yeah. But which goes rich. back to my question. Yeah. Like what, what does Rick think about California? What does he think about yeah. uh, the West coast? But yeah, so they, they, they only go into the shop. Um, Krusty's waterbed. Import- is it pal okay i was like it's not another emporium is it mm-hmm. um and they go in and then Procrustes is this like creepy guy who looks like a raptor and he's like leathery and he's seven feet tall i think and he's like oh I, you know those i like those kids because the only reason people come into my store is to like buy mattresses um, or you know, to, to, they buy them because they were they're escaping the kids, right? But they don't know who he is, right? Right, and it's just like with the Lotus um, Casino, right, where the 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 tension is in the fact that the the kids don't know where they are, they don't understand what's happening, they don't understand the potential for violence, right? 
And so when they walk into the Lotus Hotel in the last or casino in the last episode, and they're like, oh, here we are in the Lotus Casino. We understand the mechanics of this like trap. Let's just not follow for it. Here they walk in and there's no, um, you know, we don't have the sort of connective tissue between being on the, the beach in Santa Monica um, and now being somewhere in LA. Right. How did we get here? Percy walks and he's like, pro crusties like i know who you are and he's like oh we're brothers um i didn't like that certainly no. no i can't imagine you did no and and you know crusty tries to tempt percy and be like these bets fit everybody especially people who have a hard time with their parents and percy's like oh maybe maybe i should like <laughs> and i'm like i don't get like what is the just like i again i'm like what sort of trick are you trying to do and he's like no you can't trick me sort of sort of thing which is like well i hope not because you do know the trick so like if you know the trick and he's like well why don't you just lay down in a bed and just try it out and you're like okay what could be the harm like you have to be so stupid to do that like yeah i i don't know i also really hated like why is the entrance to the underworld being guarded by procrustes like, what is the connection there? I Just think, like... well, I have a theory. I hope it's not right. Right. But he's the son of Poseidon, just like Percy. And also just as we've, we've talked about in, in earlier episodes, like half of the monsters and characters that people Greek mythology, right? You mentioned that Poseidon's hot, right? You know, he gets around. Yeah. Um, Procrustes, according to my research, uh, has uh, a human mother, right? I think she's the 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 daughter of a king, of Corinth or something. So he's a demigod, right? I mean, so mm -hmm. is this what happens when? Well, first of all, is he living forever? Does is he immortal? That's unclear. But did do we imagine that Procrustes was at Camp Half Blood? You know, X decades, centuries, millennia ago. I mean, is this what happens? You know, we've talked about this. this it bothers me, right? I mean, sure. obviously, what especially happens? in the movies, right? Everyone in the at Camp Half-Blood's like 30, but like <laughs> at some point, right, you like, you got to leave. So what yeah, happens some... to these demigods, What these Half-Bloods when they go, when they leave camp, right? Do they work for Enterprise Rent-A-Car? Do they just like have normal right. jobs? Or do they have some sort of divine, uh, uh, you know, assignment? Just, is Procrustes just... A half blood who they were like, well, we need you to guard the underworld, but he's like a creepy monster villain. Like, is that? Yeah. So yeah, I looked it up on page two eighty, and Percy describes him as the giant who tried to kill Theseus. So I do think Rick is changing the mythology here um, to kind of get around that question. It's a good question. Yeah, what happens when the demigods though get old and take social security? Like, uh, where do they live? Do they live in Florida? Um, you know, not really a not really something we get answered. I mean, most of them die, you know, kind of young um, on adventures, right? We don't have, I guess, a lot of old um, demigods that we run into. And the one time we think we do, it's just uh, Physis in disguise, isn't that right? Um, in the the fourth book, where we meet um, uh, um, Quintus or whatever. Um, anyways, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways. Um, um, we're getting yeah, off so track I mean, there. Well, I guess it 
so then it, it it begs the question, right? I mean, why did they change it to emphasize the you know to, to realign with the the myth where he's the son of Poseidon? Um, and I think the answer to that is that they they're constantly reinforcing this is a family affair, right? right? It's it, yeah. And, we got it with Echidna talking about family. Ares talked a lot about family. Um, you know, Hades talks a little bit about the family connection. And so they keep emphasizing this is a family affair. You know, you know, right after I was born, you know, Chronos like ate all my aunts and uncles. Like it's a family thing. Our family's messed up. The family's fighting. Mm-hmm. I feel like that in a way kind of lowers the stakes. I mean, because even though this family is like all of the gods, instead of emphasizing the like fate of the world, the the status quo of humanity, uh, the the viability of the current age of man, right? When we go back to this 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 golden age under Kronos, right? It's just like, oh, we're a family and we're messed up, <laughs> and you're yeah. like, okay, like, cool, yeah. I think that's that's a that's a point well taken. You know, in the book too, like when they escape the underworld, like Hades like creates an earthquake and unleashes zombies on LA. It's like, oh, like yeah, there are real world stakes to like what's happening. And like, yeah, it's like are people really worried about what is this war between Zeus and Poseidon gonna mean for actual like normal people? Like, I don't know, maybe we'll get that in the last episode, but it doesn't really seem like we've had any sort of like big stakes set up is it just going to be like aries is it just going to be like one-on-one combat i mean obviously this next episode is going to be percy versus aries on the beach and is that basically what this like war is going to be it's just like zeus and poseidon just like in a boxing ring like fighting each other like what are the what are the stakes um because in the again the book um the stakes are really clear is like do we want world war three or not um yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, yeah. I feel like they have a lot of ground to cover in book eight or in episode eight. Yeah, I know. I'll, yeah. This is going to be an hour and a half that, long episode. In that fight, there's going to be a lot of extra time with like shots of like people just sort of like blankly staring and then like Hermes like kind of looking menacing or Ares rather looking menacing. Yeah. Um, and then we go back to, to the camp. I like that when they showed in the preview um, them being back at the camp. Uh, I was like, oh, nice, cool. Like, I just, I just prefer that the camp stuff. I mean, the, the shots are better. It's more interesting, right? That, that episode where right. Percy's doing all the archery and they go to the blacks, but like it, I don't know that I find that much more compelling. It's more fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. But again, if they're going to do the Aries fight and going back to camp, like how much time do they have to actually wrap up? He's going to have to talk to his dad, right? Yeah. I don't know. It feels like they're going to have to rush a lot of stuff. Um, all right. Well, we speaking, should... of, speaking of talking to his dad, should we talk yeah, about him yeah. not talking to his dad? Yeah, I know. So, again, I've constantly sang the praises of Sally in this TV show. I think the actress is so good. I think she brings a lot of just like she just raises the acting talent of this show by like tenfold. And she seems to be like actually okay written or maybe she's that good of an actress that she can actually elevate the writing and disguise how bad it is at times. Um, but there's so much um, flashbacks that kind of do 
nothing, as I said earlier in this episode. Just like, also, I'm a little bit confused because in the casino, I was under the impression that when Hermes touches their hand, he's showing them flashbacks to these moments when they were supposed to meet their parents. Did I misunderstand that? No, I think that was the the suggestion. Right, but like, that's not, but it's clearly the flashback is to the scene that we get in this these episodes but it's just percy going to a new school like he doesn't have the expectation that he's going to meet his dad so i'm i'm very confused by that like we know as the audience that he had the potential to meet his dad um because poseidon shows up in the weird diner at the end and then chooses not to talk to percy um but it is like a weird moment it's like why is this like a moment that percy like has a lot of trauma around um, because it mostly just seems like he doesn't want to go to a new school. He doesn't want to leave New York, which again is, you know, confusing in terms of just like how Sally is characterized because like all the decisions she makes in the book is so that Percy can stay safe in New York. That's why she gets with Gabe and she makes all these kind of sacrifices for Percy. And like in the TV show, there's a little bit of like, why is she looking at schools outside of New York why is she like, maybe we should have sent him to Camp Hapblood? Because like that, that's a lot of her motivation is just keeping it secret from Percy for as long as possible and making the sacrifices necessary to, you know, make that possible. Um, at least that's how she's like in the book. Um did she proposition that headmaster? I I don't I don't think so. Because because uh, because he was like, Oh, we like, you know, we know about the the Pegasus. And then she's like, I can't accept that. Like you and me need to like figure out a way to make this work. And then the next shot is like, is like her dropping him off at school. Is that like a different school that he's now going to, or is it now he's all of a sudden in that same school? I just, I mean, it's, I I don't, you know, we don't need to read too much into it, but I just, I think it would, would, if that were the case, I mean, it's gross and icky obviously, but it would, it would build up. Sally again she's she is she is literally willing to do anything to protect Percy right I mean live with Gabe um did something happen with the headmaster I don't know it just it was it seemed like a weird suggestion to make but yeah I, I don't know I, I did not I did not get that um I found it all confusing though because it's like yeah. yeah somehow she worked something out also I don't get why the headmaster is like he drew a picture of a flying horse and like that's really concerning to me because what if he's mentally unstable and it's like i mean he's a kid like i don't know have you met a child before right uh, right but then he's like but also he was climbing on the roof of the gymnasium and i'm like yeah, okay maybe that would be like why why don't you lead with that is this kid like is like risking his life to like play imagination and like we can't handle that but like it's it is like very weird like you could come up with a good reason why this principal is like no, we can't have Percy here. But he's like, no, the canceler like hated the drawing of the Pegasus so much that they personally called me and said, don't let this kid go to your school. Right. Is this like, is this just like, like blackjack is blackjack, like hanging out. Like, I think it's, I, th- I assume it's the Pegasus that we see in that first episode. In right. Kind of like flash, which is then also interesting because the, your Grover's there. Um, right. And so now in theory, Percy's going to a different school way before Grover. Or, or, or uh, after, yeah. right, he leaves Grover and he goes to a new school without Grover. But then 
he is in school again with Grover in the first scene, right, with with Mrs. Dodds. And he's also younger going to this new school than he was later with Grover. Like the, the chronology is confusing. Yeah, I don't I don't understand. And again, I don't know what it really builds builds up again there's a lot of conflict between sally and percy in this she's fighting him kind of the whole way but like what is it what is it building towards like what is it setting up i don't get it you know also you know when they go to the diner and he's got just the milkshake and doesn't touch it another good example of nobody eating any food ever in this tv show and just like letting it just kind of sit there i mean it's probably prop food so you may not be able to actually eat it so um, it's like wax, like at a furniture yeah. store. There's like a fake like su- ice cream sundae just like sitting on the bookshelf or something. And you're like, that's weird. Um, He also yeah. sits still. Did it, I mean, there's yeah. a huge emphasis on Percy being dyslexic and having ADHD yes. in the books. And yes. we don't get that at all in the TV show. Um, I fr- was 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 Auntie M's uh, Emporium. Was that like mixed up like it was sort of in the movie and in the book where he can't read stuff? I don't think no. so. I, I Yeah, I think this is a criticism people have leveled at the show is like Percy clearly doesn't have ADHD. Just like none of like they talk about it in the first episode, like you have ADHD, but they, it's in no way a part of his character. Like he's very focused, like he's not distractible. Um, He doesn't have any trouble reading like he isn't this kind of jittery kid like he's like very, very much not a kid with ADHD, which is, you know, again, kind of disappointing. Another place where the the movie, you know, does better with the source material than the show does. Um, So. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then she summons Poseidon by, you you know, I like the little like burning of a little bit of food with a match it is kind of like a cute nod to like how ancient sacrifice work gods just love the smell of burning food like that's that's their favorite thing um so i I thought that was a little bit not the most clever thing but i liked that but then there's just a lot of them like standing next to each other and beside him being like you just gotta let percy forge his own identity like i i can't be the one to come in and tell him like he has to figure himself out um but yeah i don't i don't know and then he does that long like monologue at the end which is kind of about nothing it did feel uh watching this episode at this moment i had felt like i had a personal connection the you know because she's like oh we should send him to camp. Like, should we send him to camp? And, and you know, besides, like, oh, he's got to like do his own thing. And, like, camp's on my mind these days because yeah. it's that time of the year where you have to send your kids to camp or you have to sign up. And it's very competitive signing kids up for camp, right? There's a oh, number wow. of, of camps that we, like a zoo camp, didn't get into a museum camp in Denver. Didn't get into, like, you, like, you, you, you log in at the moment the camp opens and you're, like, in a a queue of like thousands of people. Um, so the, it would be great to have a camp half blood that we could just send the kids to and, you know, let them play with explosive archery stuff. Um, but I get the like camp thing. It felt very, uh, you know, Oh, real. the mom wanting to send the kid to camp. Yeah. 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 It felt sure. Relatable. I get it. Um, yeah. I, I don't get the whole, like he needs to like figure himself out first and it can't be around his actual, like, demigod status 
it's kind of again it doesn't make a ton of sense especially because like we know that like lots of kids go to camp really early because they're they're being hunted actively right Mm -hmm. it's like i mean annabeth goes there when she's seven right so it's like you can go there when you're young like and turn out fine like it's probably the safest option um for these people and again it is funny that they don't set up gabe in any way here and Poseidon is like, I got to introduce you to this guy who sucks so bad and he's so stinky and that'll keep you in Percy safe. <laughs> like, I don't know. He's just like, you know, just risk it for the biscuit. You know, I say you stay in New York and just like hope for the best. Hopefully no terrible monsters find like, I, I don't know. So that he can like figure himself out before he has to wrestle with his actual identity. It's kind of again, confusing. It's... And it goes back to the whole, the parents like, is Poseidon a good dad or does he just absolutely suck so bad? Um, and I, again, I feel like, again, this is a good example of them not making a choice. Like you're like, is he being a good father? Cause he's like, no, I want Percy to not be like, Oh, I gotta be like my dad. I gotta live up to this thing. Or is he a bad dad? Because he's putting his like baby mama and son in active danger. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. It, I mean, I think just, it's, it's probably actually closer to like what a Greek Poseidon would have, you know, right. sort of hands off like, right. but it, that's not sort of what the modern thing is. And it's also, I just, I mean, I agree with you that I think Sally is probably the best, uh, you know, character actress in the show, but it's I, I again I find the whole relationship between Percy and Sally to be very confusing. Yeah. Because obviously, and I, you know, I can't tell how young he's supposed to be, like how how long ago all this school stuff was. But obviously he doesn't have a great relationship. He's like, you keep trying to like get rid of me. I would never do this to you. And so now he's going back to get his mom. But in the books, like Sally is everything to Percy. Sally right. is home to Percy, right? They yeah. have such a strong relationship and they, you know, she works at the candy store and they do eat blue jelly beans and eat, you know, have blue cake and like, yeah, like Sally is everything. And certainly relationships between parents can change and, and fluctuate, but it doesn't seem like the Percy, the young Percy in the flashbacks has that relationship with Sally where it's like, I go to school and then I come home and I'm with my mom and it's great. And we go to the beach at Montauk and we eat blue jelly beans. And like, you know, we, we share stories about my dad and all this stuff. And it's, you lose that. I mean, Percy is so they're trying to make him not fit. Right. And I, the, the, the crusty thing was good there. Cause he was like, you know, on this bed, you'll fit, right? You don't fit into this world. You don't fit into human world. You don't fit into the divine world. He's isolated. And so we get all these shots of Percy, you know, like at the diner, you, you see him just sitting there completely motionless by himself through like some mm-hmm. blinds or something. There's, there's complete separation. And we get that with all the sort of blank looks that Percy has. Um, and I think it's a way of, creating a sort of different parallel to the Percy as ADHD Percy as dyslexic, right? He doesn't fit in because he's different in the books, but the whole thing about the Percy in the books is 
right from the first page, from the first sentence, right? Let me open my book here and just hope I'm remembering things right. Yeah. Yeah. The first line of the book, look, I didn't want to be a half-blood, right? If you're reading this because you think you might want to be one, my advice is close this book right now. Believe whatever lie your mom or dad told you about your birth and try to live a normal life. Right. It's again, that connection with the audience, that connection with the reader where he's like, I'm just like you. I'm just like you and I'm messed up and my life is not easy and I'm not a, a, you know, a star. I'm not killing it at school. I don't have a ton of friends. Like I'm just like you. And there is no, I mean, again, I'm a 39 year old dude. Um, but I don't think there's any connection between Percy and the audience. No. Yeah, I he's, agree. He's just weird and sort of disconnected, right? I mean, he's just again the the blank looks, the sort of slow responses. Yeah, I think that's the hard part. You don't. There's not a lot of connecting with characters. Yeah, I mean, you kind of feel that with Annabeth too. Like, has Annabeth like have we gotten to know anything more about her? No, like again, Grover, like no. Like, yeah, who are we connecting with? Like, I again, again, we're we're two men in our thirties, two white men in our thirties. So, like, also, you know, are are we are we supposed to identify with like a bunch of teenagers? Maybe that's hard for us at this point. Like, I obviously identify a lot more with Sally. Like, I get her a lot more, and maybe that's just because the stage of life I'm in. But I also feel like I get her. Like, I feel like I she she has a very clear motivation. And, you know, kind of internal life that we get kind of access to in a way that we don't for these other characters. Um, I feel like Chiron, you know, I'm like a cross between like Chiron and Dionysus. That's me. There you go. (laughs) Tricky, uh, but like super wise and like everyone looks up to me. I don't want to compare my students to heroes because not all of them are. Um, but I'm I'm definitely I feel like Chiron. Well, there you go. And like when we see Zeus, like probably also him. Yeah, all the all the really buff guys. Yeah, all those you see Aries, and you're like, I get that. I get what it's like to be super buff. And I think Aries is one of the best. (laughs) I liked um Lin Manuel Miranda, but I think Aries is a better has thus far been a better casting than definitely Hephaestus than Hades. At least Ares kind of looks like he's supposed to look. And I, I know that looks aren't everything, but for the Greeks, they were. You could you you look at him and you're like, oh, that's Ares. Like you don't necessarily look at the other ones and you immediately know who they right. are supposed to represent. Which again also has I think probably has a little bit to do with like Ares has kind of like one speed. And like Ares is the least complicated of the gods because he is just kind of a a meathead right. um so you know that that also like makes it a little bit easier but I, I agree like again hades isn't well cast i don't think i mean hephaestus at least they're making a choice i think it's you know it's not traditionally what you would think of as not hephaestus. the right one yeah. but you know yeah, i get it you know they're they're saying he's a tinkerer in this one so like that makes sense i think lynn works fine as hermes again i think some people are like why isn't he apollo because you know He's a music guy, um, but you know Apollo's not in this one. So, um, and Apollo's like a like a like a 
22 year old bro like in the book that's true that's true um yeah i again i I think maybe to, to wrap up this thought about sally and and these flashbacks again it's just this idea that I want to push back and just say that I think they just can't make up their mind about who Poseidon is and what his relationship to Percy is like, yeah, to your point, the gods are not engaged with their children in mythology. They're on the sidelines. They're letting hard things happen to them. They don't intervene. Sometimes they wish they could, but they kind of refuse to most of the time. But here we kind of have it both ways again, like, Oh, I can't intervene, but I want to, but also it's better if I don't anyways, Right. And it's just like, make a choice. Like, does he desperately want to see Percy and is held back by the pact Uh, or, you know, the kind of like way gods are supposed to engage with their children? Or is he kind of somewhat disinterested in Percy and a little bit aloof and not actually a present father? And I don't feel like the TV show can decide, which I think is just going to come back to bite them. You know, it remains to be seen how Percy feels about the Olympians when we get to this final episode. But I am not totally convinced that he is going to be angry at the Olympians as I wish he would be. And I feel like the TV show has given us a lot of reasons for him to be. I am always concerned that they're going to fumble this um, and not actually not actually fix one of the main problems of that first book, which is Percy being a little bit too forgiving of his dad and his aloofness throughout his life. And also, uh, just as a sort of final thought, Right. The, the the episode is titled We Find Out the Truth, sort of. I think we found out the truth, too. I mean, the whole time we've been talking about this for the previous six episodes, we keep saying, are they going to change? Are they going to change who the lightning thief is? Um, are they going to change, you know, sort of the ending? And we don't know who the lightning thief is yet. Right. Again, we don't. Sure. Where, where the hell has Luke been through any yeah. of this? Mm. Um but it doesn't seem like they are right. All the, all the pieces are sort of falling in the, the expected places. Um, but I think that's, yeah, it's just, I totally for, even forgot about Luke, right. That yeah. Yeah. Luke never crossed my mind during this episode, which I think speaks to the problems with it, yeah. that they're going to be like, and for, for an audience who hasn't read the books, I'm impressed that you made it through seven episodes, but it's not going to, they're going to come out and they're going to be like, Oh, it was Luke. And you're going to be like, what, who is Luke? Right. And it's not going to feel like they're going to be like, Oh, it's going to be, you know, he's the son of Hermes. And remember he showed me around the camp and they were like, Oh, like, I don't know. Maybe I was like in the bathroom during that, like one scene that Luke was in. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll listener, find out next week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, listener, we have we've come to the end uh, of this podcast. Uh, we have one episode to go. Um, episode eight comes out next week. The prophecy comes true. We'll see if they redeem themselves. Uh, but as always, we will be in your ears, bringing you our expertise on ancient Greece and Rome. Uh, and unfortunately, likely complaining about that final episode. Um, if you have thoughts about the show, we would love it if you would send us an email. Allroadspod at gmail.com. We love hearing from listeners. We want to hear your thoughts. If you thought, I don't want to scream into the void of Reddit 
about how disappointed I am in the show. I'd rather yell into a safer void, which is our Gmail inbox. Send us a message. We'd love to read it, and we'll definitely talk about it on the show. Um, the only way this podcast grows is if you share it with friends, with family, heck, even with your enemies. If you think somebody, especially um, enemies, if somebody really loves the Percy Jackson TV show and you want to ruin their day by making them listen to two 30 year old men complain about this TV show, why not send them this podcast? Um, you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, drop us those five stars and maybe leave a comment. Um, it just helps more people find the show when they think, hey, what do two trained classicists think about modern media? They can come straight to the All Roads podcast. Um, I will also say that we are now officially on Instagram at All Roads Pod. So why don't you drop us that follow? We'll be dropping some juicy content in the weeks to come. Um, and again, it is just another way for you to engage with the show, share it with friends. Um, and as always, we thank you so much for listening. Uh, we are nothing without our listeners. I think that brings us to the end. I'm your host, Sam Hahn. And I'm Dr. Sam Kindick. And if all roads lead to Rome, then why not take a detour with us? Goodbye. Bye.